Hey there, healthyish listeners. This is your daily podcast from Body and Soul with me, your host, Felicity Harley. If you live in a city like me or perhaps a smaller town, you probably don't think twice about buying fresh fruit and veg, seeing a doctor and booking a yoga class. All those things we take for granted that many First Nations people have little or no access to. So in the lead up to the referendum, Yaima woman, Georgie Corrie, a nurse who's worked in remote Aboriginal communities, joins me from the NT to give you an insight into the health and well-being of our Indigenous people. I encourage you also to listen to her chat on Extra Healthy-ish, where she discusses the main factors that contribute to the poor health of our First Nations people. You can grab that wherever you get your podcasts. Georgie, nice to have you on Healthy Today from the Northern Territory. How is it up there? Thanks, Felicity, for having me. It's beautiful Arakia country. So for our listeners who might be tuning in from the States, I'm sorry to say it's a beautiful warm day. It's starting to <laughs> head into our build-up. So we say going tropo or mango madness, it's where the uh, humidity increases and we're all sweating. But um I'm sure some people will take that over a cold, Melbourne, windy, rainy day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like that. Go Tropo. Now, before we get into, you know, a bit more background about how our healthcare system is failing Indigenous Australians, tell us a bit about your work in remote NT communities. Yeah. So, I found myself in the NT in 2015 and I just done my graduate nursing program at the Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne. And during that time, I was looking after kids from the territory who were having open heart surgery as young as five due to a condition called rheumatic heart disease. Now, this is a condition that is entirely preventable. And for me, I was at the end of, I was doing treatment. You know, we were past, well past prevention. You know, we had kids with broken hearts coming down to Melbourne, having never left the NT before. So having a great deal of challenges and having to encounter new experiences so far away from home. I know that's something for all Territorians, Indigenous and non-Indigenous, you know, any territory requiring open heart surgery isn't done in the NT. Mm. So whether you're heading down to Adelaide, Melbourne, sometimes Brisbane or Sydney, you know, you're a long way from home. So I wanted to be on the front line, you know, because we always know prevention is better than cure and found myself in child health in Central Australia and from child health, head into chronic disease and then found a love of working out bush where no day is the same. Um, you know, there's moments where I have helped um, with the birth of a young person um, and bringing life into the world. I've held the hands of people as they've passed and everything in between, including providing first aid and medical treatment to donkeys, kangaroos, dogs and cats. Well, there we go. New definition of the uh, word nursing. So talk to us about, you know, you're, you're at the forefront of it. Talk to, us, talk to us about some of the biggest health concerns facing especially Indigenous women because we've got so many female listeners. Yeah, so for women here in the Northern Territory and Indigenous women across Australia, there's challenges we see that aren't challenges in major cities um, and for non-Indigenous Australians. So, you know, if we take cervical cancer for... Um, to talk about that one, you know, Indigenous Australians are two and a half times more likely to develop cervical cancer 
and they're 3.8 times more likely to die from cervical cancer, wow. as well as having a lower chance of five-year survival of 56% compared to 72% mm. of non-Indigenous Australians. So, you know, for screening programs that we spend a great deal of time and resources in and that have a great uptake in other areas, there's challenges across the NT and other remote communities in terms of actually having what is essential health care. You know, let's be honest, it's harder to deliver essential health care in Kalkarinji than it is in Kew. Yeah. And that's a wide range of challenges that we need to overcome from just understanding on the ground how things work. Um, staff is always a challenge. You know, I manage community clinics out bush. There was times where I was without a doctor for six weeks. Goodness. So the only GP support I had was over the phone. And, you know, that doesn't, that's not enough. You know, it's not enough when you're looking at someone and, you know, something's not right, but you've got um, observations and investigations telling you otherwise and you've just got that gut feeling. You just want someone else to be able to see this person. You know, here in the Northern Territory, we're 1% of the population, but we're 20% of the landmass. Mm. So it's a jurisdiction that covers the, um, you know, we're bigger than New South Wales, Victoria and Tasmania combined. Goodness. And it means for us, you know, we've got over 73 remote communities and over 500 outstations and homelands. So there are places in the Northern Territory that may only be serviced by a visiting healthcare once a week every fortnight, once a month. So, you know, we really are navigating the challenges of just the geography. But, um, you know, for me, one of my great sadness is um, just not being able to do preventative care. Mm. So, for example, if we take breast cancer, and, you know, that's close to my heart. My mum's had breast cancer when she had it at a young age, so I know the risks. But I also am incredibly grateful that mum had access to incredible care and specialists down in Victoria, you know, for Indigenous Australians, they're 1.2 times more likely to die from breast cancer. And one of the core problems is they don't have access to screening participation. Mm. So if you take um, a mammogram, which most Australian women can easily access, remote uh, Indigenous Territorians can't, you know, Unfortunately, our patient-assisted travel scheme won't cover that. How how will The Voice help, you know, things like this, examples that you've given us? How will it benefit Indigenous women on a whole? What's been missing for a really long time is a local on-the-ground voice, that community grassroots voice that complements our highly skilled practitioners, the research we do day in, day out, the policy that's developed, we sometimes just don't understand just simply what's going on on the ground. So being able to give that advice from the get-go when we create policy means we're working with each other from the get-go. So where we have major barriers, we can identify them and then we can also work through and look at the opportunities to address those barriers, you know, we're looking at birth in your country and antenatal care. You know, one of the biggest barriers is the lack of continuity of care. So how can we make sure that a mother is seeing the same 
health professionals throughout their pregnancy, you know, developing First Nations people in that workforce so that they feel supported and have a culturally safe experience. This is where what has been lacking in terms of understanding no two communities are the same, so we can't have a one-size-fits-all approach. So being able to tailor to that community by having the input from community is really important. Mm. For me, one of my go-to lines is, you know, having a voice to parliament enshrined in the constitution will mean that policymakers from Canberra and capital cities who've never been out to a remote community aren't making decisions, aren't writing policy and legislation without the input of that community. Yeah. So we know when we hear community and when we listen to community, we get better outcomes. You know, I've seen that firsthand being involved in the transition of local community clinics from government, so NT Health up here, through to a Aboriginal Community Controlled Health Service. So out in beautiful East Arnhem Land in Ramingini, we transitioned that clinic in 2019. Really simple things to address some of the challenges. You know, we looked, we started having the conversations with community, you know, this was their health service. How did they want their health service to run? What did they feel was lacking or missing in their health service? Really simple things. Yeah, well said. Georgie, it was lovely having you on Healthy-ish. Thank you for coming on. No worries. Thank you. If you did find this chat compelling, make sure you rate and review it or you can subscribe to this podcast. Listen to her interview on Extra Healthy-ish. For anything else, head to bodyandsoul.com.au, follow us on socials, grab our print edition, which is out in your local Sunday paper. And until tomorrow, stay healthy-ish. I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts.